Hello and welcome to the W. RTE Sports podcast for sportswomen, bringing you insight and analysis on major events unfolding and shining a spotlight on champions of women's sport on and off the pitch. It's a very exciting time for women's football in Ireland with the UEFA Euro 2021 qualifiers about to kick off and the girls in green on a quest to reach a first ever major tournament. I'm joined by two former internationals, Anya O'Gorman and Karen Duggan, along with RTE Sports' Elaine Buckley to look ahead to this crucial campaign. Anya, I'm going to go to you first. I'm sitting, looking across from you and you're looking super fit. Are you <laughs> disappointed not to get a call back into that squad? Um, do you know what? I'm obviously still obviously enjoying our, my club football at the moment with P-Mount and me and Karen here, we're chasing the, the league title. Well, for me, the first time ever. Um, so Karen's the second time ever and it probably will be a hard time uh, for me now looking at the start of a, a new campaign going in. But look, when the, the permanent manager's in place and we'll, we'll see what happens then. Former player, future politician, I'd yeah. say, diplomatic <laughs> answer. <laughs> Come and get me. Yeah. And Karen, like for you, like how do you feel now ahead of a campaign? I feel fine. I'm I'm happy with my decision. Um, I had a bit of a wobbler when they were going to America. I was like, God, wouldn't that be great to be back involved? But um, stepped away for reasons and they're still in place, still want to try other things. Um, but it will be weird going back to sitting in the stands uh, watching the girls. But hopefully it'll be a positive experience. Um, first game, obviously kicking off this week. Um, hopefully starting with a win, and be it'd be exciting to be a fan as well. Off the back of the women's World Cup, Elaine, there's a bit of a buzz still about women's football, and it's really exciting time just to be a football fan and and for Ireland to try and qualify for a major tournament. Absolutely, and I think I think the World Cup was really important for Irish people to see it. First of all, to see the standard of football that is out there, but as an aside, to see the people that we had in the analysis seats and in in the co-commentary box, you know, people who are really involved in the thick of Irish football and have been for a long time, and to get to know you know their involvement in the squad and that these matches are upcoming, and you know we were constantly referencing you know results against the Netherlands and you know how close they ran Norway you know teams that went really far in the World Cup who Ireland met on their qualifying campaign so I think it really contextualized it for the Irish viewers the standard of women's football and how hard it is to get to a major tournament but how brilliant it will be if and when we can. Well the reality is we're starting a campaign on yeah so trying to get there and get that elusive first major tournament how confident are you that this Ireland squad can do it? Yeah, no, I think it's obviously a great bunch of girls and a great bunch of players and Montenegro is a good game to start with. I think we recorded our highest win ever the last time out, which was 9-0. For me, the big game of the campaign is the Ukraine game because they're seeded second in the group and with no disrespect like if you get something out of the Germany game it's a, it's a bonus but you need to be beating the Ukraine to, to take grips of that second place and hopefully qualify for the Euros in England The last campaign Karen as well like they probably learned a lot from it I mean they didn't qualify but they still like you know there was some good results against the Netherlands holding them to a draw and we saw how good they were in the Women's World Cup what kind of things do you think that they'll have taken away from that? I think a big emphasis um, in the last campaign was sorting ourselves out defensively. Um, A lot of that was done, but in order to progress in this one, we have to go out and win more games. So because the back line is solid now, I think that they'll look to start creating more chances. Um, There seems to be more strikers in the squad coming back in, which is good to see. Um, So hopefully the Montenegro game will be a good chance to practice that and get those goals against the big teams where we may have struggled before we were solid defensively but struggled to break down teams maybe um, particularly maybe against Norway uh, conceded not many goals but also didn't create so we couldn't really like argue with the results that we got I think before we 
probably get into the squad and the fixtures that are coming up we need to maybe address the elephant in the room and that is that we are going into a campaign and because Colin um, left a couple of months ago we don't have a manager now Elaine, do you know where we are? What's the latest on that? The elephant in the room or lack thereof, we are a week out from this qualifying campaign and there's no manager in place and there's no sign of an announcement. Now, Tom O'Connor has been in there as the interim manager. Um, so he's obviously leading the team. He has them in camp this week. He brought them to America to play against the world champions on the victory tour. But, you know, for players in the squad, for a campaign as important as this, it's baffling how there hasn't been someone put in place yet. Anya, when you look at the squad and you look at everything that they've achieved over the last couple of years, just in terms of the improvements that they've made, who do you think or what kind of a manager do you think that they need now? Um, I think, firstly, I think it's usually frustrating frustrating that there's no manager. I don't know. They're still waiting on, on the right person to come along, but there just seems to be a sense of a little bit of lack of urgency. And I think the girls in the squad will probably say that it's not really a, a big problem to them because they're going to want to get on with the game at hand and, and play Montenegro. But for me, it's just the window between the Montenegro and the Ukraine game. That's the vital time and it's only a month's space. So not to have the manager in place for this game, unless it's going to be Tom O'Connor taking the next game as well, um, is a little bit of an issue for me just to, to get that consistency and the momentum at the start of qualifying campaign. But I think it has to be someone, obviously that's obviously of a really good high standard, has their own football and philosophy, but as well can embrace like the Irish culture and the passion and the pride and, and that you can see is so evident to him when we're out on the pitch too. Megan Campbell came out um, a couple of weeks ago and she said that it has to be somebody external, somebody maybe international, which means that she obviously doesn't want Dave Connell, the current manager, to take over. Do you think that probably the case that we do need maybe somebody of Colin's stature who has done it on the big stage and, and achieved at uh, such a high level, Karen. I'm not sure. I think maybe that was taken a little bit out of context. I think that there's people working really hard within the FAI and in Ireland in general. What I'd like to see is someone who's brave, um, maybe a former player, former men's player. You see um, the underage men set up there. That's a good development path for, for former players. And I think if we could latch onto that model if they're not going to bring in someone external I think that that would be a good idea just someone young and fresh um, from the FAI because there are those people there and if not if that's not going to be the case I wouldn't be looking at going backwards I would be looking external and kind of echo what Megan was saying that it does have to be someone of a certain calibre. I always believe that it's the best person for the job whether they're male or female but at the same time there has to be a certain amount of kind of acceleration and you know like helping people to move forward we saw with the um, UEFA B licence recently like an awful lot of women women came out of it do you think this is a good opportunity to maybe bring a female in as an assistant manager? Yeah like you said if the, if there is a female out there that is the right person for the job and Obviously, there is people in, even in Ireland with their pro license as well, uh, male and female too. So, like personally, I'd like to think that Eileen Gleeson should be involved in international football at some level as well because uh, her and Ciarán are the only uh, females in the country with their um, pro license as well. So, um, like I think Megan's comments maybe were perceived a little bit harshly as well. And I think it is a little bit harsh to say that there's no one in the country that is good enough for the job. And I even go back to like what the men, the under-19 guys did and, and there's really good calibre managers straight that underage setup too um, with the likes of Tom Mown and stuff so so there is good people out there whether they're in the FAI or not but they're, they're still in the country 
I have to say, like, the squad announcement is quite exciting. Like, and I think one of the reasons it was exciting was because Stephanie Roach is back in Elaine as well. What do you think of her rejoining the squad after a two year break, I'd say, now at this stage? I'm absolutely delighted for Steph because she has just been through the mill injury wise. And I'd say she never thought she was going to see the light at the end of the tunnel with the run of injuries that she had. And, you know, getting back over to Italy and getting back playing club football and now getting her called up again. I think it's great. And I also think, you know, Ireland want to score goals in this opening game against Montenegro. They need to score goals. So the more strikers we can have back in the mix, the better. And I think as well, like you mentioned, um, Elaine, that when people see the personalities and the big players and they're in the studio and they know them they want to go to the match and I think that the likes of Stephanie now and everyone else but Stephanie in particular like she'll be a draw for the young girls wanting to go and get the chance to see her play Big time she puts in an awful lot of work at grassroots and you know her own academy in that and in coaching girls and boys in soccer so it's just great to see her back in the fold Anya your pals with her how happy was she? (laughs) Yeah no I think she texts me straight away and goes uh, yeah I just got a call in and I just said good man Tom Um, (laughs) yeah no she's obviously going to be really exciting and think it's a good game for her to come back in like we say she's a goal scorer she's that number nine player she's a very technical player as well so she got injured with me two years ago the start of the last campaign so um yeah it's been a really really lo- long road for recovery as well and um it was good to see some more experienced heads I suppose being picked in this squad and the likes of some of the the younger girls are let being let go play with the 19s the Emily Whelans and stuff like that which I think is really really good that they're going to get their their game time there and then they're going to learn and improve and I think if it's fair to say if Karen that that's probably the, you enjoy your football and make a lot of friends at that age group. Karen from your initial thoughts on the squad what were they? Yeah, I was really excited when the squad first came out. Like Anya said, I think that there's a good balance in this squad in terms of youth and experience. I think it was important that the girls went with the 19s. Um I think that going through the age group you do kind of learn your trade in those underage and stepping up to senior is a huge ask for anyone um but there's a really really good balance there now um not too many young ones but you have your Tyler who has an old head on young shoulders she's over at City now which is incredible achievement on her part um Heather Payne just gone to Florida State scored her first goal straight away so you've got people who are really really informed there so I think it's really exciting and I think it's the perfect game just to kind of bed a squad down I'd like to see a bit of consistency through the campaign now and I think that the bones of that are are in this squad and they can build from there No Leanne Kiernan do you know she injured? I think she's just gone back over to West Ham training so she doesn't have any um, game time under her belt yet so I was actually disappointed not to see her back in as well trying to build for the games going forward too but um, yeah, I'd expect to see her back in straight away yeah. as soon as she's fit and ready. Yeah, especially off the she's back of a huge pair for her last year, campaign yeah. as well. Amber Barrett, it will be the first time we've seen her since she's came back from Germany. That's another exciting name, Karen. Yeah, obviously we were sad to see her go at P-Mount. Um, she was a stalwart there for us for a few years, uh, top goal scorer. Um, she's over at Cologne now. It's obviously going to be a big change, but she's training every day. So I'd expect her to come back sharp. She maybe hasn't played games because they're pre-season, but she'll... They, they, beauty of this is that it's one game and that they do have uh, over a week together and you'll be playing with people who are at the Arsenals in Liverpool so sharpness shouldn't be a problem for anyone. And Anya I suppose like the style of play that Colin um, that Colin went with it was like quite defensive at times do you think we're going to get something different now this time? Yeah I hope so boy that squad selection I'm quite excited to see the game and I hope hope we go out and attack and, and play good creative football a player that I'm looking to see thrive a little more, I think, is Katie McCabe. Um, I think in the way we were playing, with Colin, she was kind of playing wide areas and an a very defensive structure. And I think she's a player with a lot of quality. She's obviously proven herself at Arsenal, the the champions as well. And I'd just like to see her maybe play a little bit more central, let off the leash and, leash and, and let the magic happen. 
do we need to be scoring more goals? Um, I think we will have a little bit of a goal fest against Montenegro. I'm hoping for it anyway. Um, yeah, no, we do. I think like Karen alluded to earlier that that we're always defensively solid now, but you need to get past these teams as well. So you need to score goals to get past them and and uh, maybe own a little bit more of the possession. Uh, I think uh, probably a lot of the time when you're playing for Ireland, you're chasing and you're running hard and you're working hard. And then when you get the ball, we don't retain enough possession. So it just becomes... I think a lot of time a fatigue factor kicks in and it's only one mistake you make against the top teams like Spain or Holland and, and they punish you. Elaine, getting off to a winning start, like we see with with campaigns and teams and sport in general, to get that bit of momentum, like what would it mean to women's football now in Ireland to kind of get going and, and tell on, on Tuesday night and have a big win? Like make no mistake about it, this is brand new territory for the international women's team. Like, you know, bar people who would follow them consistently, like even the last campaign for the World Cup, people only really started to pay attention when they got a nil all draw away against the European champions. You know, it's the classic case of in women's sports, you have to achieve something extraordinary to get attention, you know. And I think we saw it even as recently as after the strike. You know, there was there was a friendly game in Tala Stadium quite soon after that and you know you would have thought that from all the online support that people actually would have gone and supported it the attendance was 800 people so this is new territory whereby people know these games are happening and people are gonna hopefully get invested in the journey as opposed to just the destination and that starts with going to the opening game of a campaign hopefully seeing a win hopefully seeing a couple of goals scored and then building from there so it is new territory for this team. The first time at the opening qualifying game is going to be on television and all of their home games are going to be on television. So that brings added pressure with it as well. And um, so in that sense, you know, it is probably a good thing that there's a bit more seniority in the squad this time around. But yeah, just it's exciting as well. You know, we know from, from chatting to Anya and Megan and, and Stephanie who were in working with us on the World Cup, how frustrating it was to not be at that tournament and how capable they would have been to hold their own against certain countries. So, you know, blank page now, new campaign. This team want to be in England at the European Championships in 2021 and it has to start with a win against Montenegro. It's a huge opportunity as well, Elaine, isn't it? Because we have a knock-on effect in interest in women's football because of the World Cup. And like, as you mentioned there, it's on the telly as well. So people don't really have an excuse. Female athletes shoulder responsibility that men would just never have to think of. And like the girls will be thinking, oh, I hope we get a good crowd. I hope people watch it on TV. We saw it on Sunday in Croke Park with the All-Ireland Ladies Football semi-finals being held. Neve McAvoy was interviewed after and she commented on the attendance. You would never hear that really from a male athlete. So, you know, the players are aware that there'll be eyes on them and that they're role models, but their primary job is going out and getting a result. So, you know, this will be the first time that there will be a, that bit more attention on them. And it's just important to be mindful of it as well, I think. As a player, Anya, do you think they're going, or as players, do you think they're going to feel that pressure? Um, I think a lot of the girls in, in that change room will be well able to handle it. And I think uh, it's a game, it's an exciting game. It's the first game of campaign. It's a fresh start. You're playing Montenegro. Um, who you expect to be able to attack and, and, and play good, attractive football. So um, I think their sole focus will be on playing, but maybe it will be in, in the back of their minds as well. But I think that's a, uh, up to the backroom staff and the manager as well, just to, to take that pressure off and, and just focus on getting the three points. I think, Aaron, as well, when you look through the team sheet and you're looking at like Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal, Florida State University, Glasgow City, like these are big clubs that our players are, are playing at like they are so well used to the, that pressure 
But they're huge clubs and make no mistake about it, you don't see a lineup like that in the men's team. And we'd be very lucky to have a lineup like that in the men's team. So that shows the calibre of player that is there. Denise, I always say Denise O'Sullivan is my favourite footballer, not my favourite female footballer. She's just incredible and people should be getting out and watching her. And when you ask who's your favourite footballer, say Denise O'Sullivan. Um, she's playing at the very highest level against world champions week in, week out and more than holding her own there. And then we've got the girls over in England as well and, and a few in Germany. And it's I hope that other teams will look at this and get intimidated and start to think, God, we need to pay attention to Ireland. Maybe we're ranked third in the group, but this is a squad that definitely demands respect. And I think that the girls will show that in the first game and hopefully kick on. Um, a lot of it will be dependent on getting settled and getting a manager. And that's a, the little bit of a worry at this point. But in terms of the players, I think that they have enough professionalism to get through this one and then hopefully look forward to the Ukraine game, which is obviously the huge one. Anya, when we do look through the team sheet, like 15 out of the 20 of the squad that are named are playing away from Ireland. Do they need to be? Do they all need to be? (laughs) (laughs) Getting on the hard ones This is a tough one for me to answer. (laughs) Do you know what? Like, I think, obviously, the girls playing in England, the Louise Queens, Niamh Fahis, the Katie McCabe's, like, Tyler Toland recently gone over to Man City, Meng Campbell over in... Um, Man City and Leanne Kiernan over in West Ham as well. Like it's a great opportunity to play at a great level, and I don't think it's that you'd uh, turn down. Um, yeah. So like I think there is a lot of emphasis on. I think we do need to try and improve the league here and and get it to a standard that that players can stay here and get their education and look at life beyond football as well, and and just get that balance right as well. And um, if you look at like most of the successful teams in the World Cup, they all have professional home base leagues and it was even the same when the under 19s boys were playing in Europe all the teams that were successful 90% of their mm-hmm. players played in their country so straight away I think there's a lot more um, hands on obviously from from the managers and stuff like that as well so I think our league here and stuff needs a little bit more investment and, and we need to get up to that level that there is the option for girls that at the minute they if they get great opportunities they're not going to turn them down Karen, what do you think, like, you know, just like being involved in the league and seeing how it operates, like, do you think we can get there? Is like, is it a bit of a pipe dream to say, oh, we we might have a league that, you know, girls don't need to go away? Yeah, I think pipe dream is the right word for it. (laughs) I think I think based on current attention and investment, it's just not there. Um, as much as the girls put in and the coaches put in, like there are teams are operating at a professional as professional level as they can, but without the right backing, it's it's not going to get there, and it's just it's not there at the moment. Um, can't really say more. We were lucky that over the last few years we have been really competitive, and a lot of the girls who are on this team sheet with professional contracts now came from the league, and it was competitive. But now everyone feels they do have to go away, and I don't blame them because it doesn't look like things are going to improve all that much in the near future obviously we have hope that it will but um for the time being I think it is just a pipe dream but I do think Anya's right I think if there was a greater standard of um league that everyone could play in here I think it would really really benefit but again that's a pipe dream so let's see I suppose there are positives Elaine as well because in a way like okay maybe people don't get to see the league they probably rarely get to see you guys play but like seeing Louise Quinn play for Arsenal like does absolute wonders I think for the women's game and and Katie and like having the vice captain of Liverpool on the Ireland team as well and just from like kind of a marketing of the national team like it must be so helpful 
The FAWSL is a brilliant product at the moment, but it hasn't always been and it has taken some serious investment to get it to where it is now. Even if if you chat back to former players who played in it, you know, seven, eight years ago, it has changed drastically and it's going to only increase, you know, off the back of England's success at the World Cup. They're playing a friendly against Germany. There's 50,000 tickets advance sold for it. The WSL have announced this new deal with the FA player where every single match is going to be available to stream online. That is phenomenal. It's it's literally going from hardly any to everything. It's phenomenal. And, you know, for us as supporters of the Irish team to get to be able to, to watch them playing their club football as well, it's going to improve coverage as well. Because, you know, even saying taking Katie and Louise at Arsenal as an example... Last year in their championship winning season, you would have just been seeing snippets online and maybe the highlights show with Ailey Barber on BBC on a Sunday night. But now if you see a Arsenal v Man City or an Arsenal Chelsea London derby, you're going to be able to watch the whole game, which is great. But, um, you know, they've gotten out what they've put into it, mm-hmm. the, F, the the English FA. They, they have put some serious money behind it. The NWSL in the States, obviously Denise O'Sullivan over there with North Carolina Courage. Again, that hasn't always been a successful league. It's been rebranded about three times in the last 20 years. What they have now is really good. But again, it's off the back of an international team winning back-to-back World Cups. And like, you know, Denise over there in that team, she was the team MVP of the national champions in America last year. It was a phenomenal achievement that just didn't get that much attention back here at home. Uh, Elaine, I'd say it barely got a ripple. It's it's crazy. Like, it's, (laughs) it's absolutely crazy. But again, those matches are now available to view on ESPN as well and you can you can tune in and you can see Denise playing I was watching her play against Portland Thorns a couple of weeks ago it's visible both those leagues are visible the Irish National League at the moment is not visible and the danger only as well is that when these leagues get stronger and when the league in England gets stronger because it's so close to us the Irish League will get left behind. Yeah, and I think it probably already has been a little bit diluted by the opportunities a lot of these players are are getting to go over and I played in the inaugural for Doncaster, uh, the first, uh, <laughs> firstly, uh, the first year of the Super League as well. So, um, like, obviously, I could see the strengths that it's came on even since then. And, and like, I left, it was the first year the league started here as well. And I think the league here was in a stronger position when I left here. And then the oh, and then the Super League was obviously has gone plummeted up. And maybe the, the Women's National League here has, has gone in the opposite direction as well. So, um, I think that's a hard one to take and in the Super League you can see the investment from the men's teams as well like Man City and the Arsenals and and Liverpool as well so all the top clubs and the branding that comes with that alone is massive as well so I think here as well the men's league needs to be a little bit stronger as well and until I see that happening I don't really know what direction we're going in. There are some positives though, Karen. I think like even if you look at, at, at your own club like underage structures are good like there's lots of girls out playing Oh, absolutely. Um, it's hard to get a parking space in PMR today. <laughs> we'll be late for training today, so I'd say we'll struggle to run in. But um, uh, yeah, like there's so many girls playing and there's so many more girls playing now than when we were younger and they love it. And they do get, like they do come out. The younger girls are the ones who do come out to the matches and they're that's kind of our key audience nearly is young girls in school. Um, and then they drag their parents along. So what we kind of want to do is bridge the gap between the very, very young and their their parents and just get like general interest. And But I do think um, Anya's right that if the men's league got stronger and then the women's league somehow affiliated itself with that, um, just kind of piggyback off it. Everyone needs to kind of pull in and, and help each other um, if, if there's going to be any development um, in the women's national league because the 
stats of the amount of girls playing is there. It's just about improving profile and, and all the rest of that comes with that profile. And hopefully, I do think uh, Elaine is right, profile will come with the international team achieving something. I've always said it. I think that that's, that's what we need to get right first and hopefully it'll have a trickle effect, a waterfall kind of thing and come down to grassroots level and improve the league and we'll kind of get back up to the level that the league was when it started and then start to build on again from there. Elaine, we saw with Shelburne, they made their club quite inclusive. It's it's just like they've dropped the ladies from it and um, they're just Shelburne now and they've got some really good initiatives as well with giving people t- tickets to see women's games all as part of the, once you're a member of the club. Baby steps though. Baby steps, but more importantly, having the right people at the table in the clubs as well, you know, and that's where the involvement of women at committee level, at board level, you know, in in any type of club and above going up into governing bodies is so important because often these things just aren't thought of. And, you know, I think Shelburne's initiative has been absolutely exemplary and, you know, particularly the season ticket one, that kind of integration that Karen was referencing there. That's what's going to drive the women's club game onwards, I think. Okay, I'm going to ask you all to look into your crystal ball. I'm only going to start with you. Ireland are trying to qualify for a major tournament. It's what we're always talking about. Do you think that this is going to be the one? Yeah, I think there's no better time than now. And I think there's a great squad of players. Um, even outside the squad, I think there's a great great selection of players available. Obviously, we need to get a permanent manager in place. Um, go out and knock the stuff in the Montenegro and move on into the Ukraine game. And yeah, 100% think we can qualify. Karen. Yeah, crystal ball is a little hazy just because of the managerial situation, the uncertainty around that. Um, in terms of second seeds that we could have drawn, Ukraine aren't the worst, um, particularly considering who we got in their World Cup qualifying campaign. So, yeah, glass half full, positive. Think that they're going to do the job this time around. Alain, I'm going to ask you and I'm going to throw another question on top of it as well. Are we going to qualify and are we going to have a well-supported women's team this year? I'll take the support one first, <laughs> Quizmaster. Um, I think so. I suppose drawn on my own kind of terms of reference, I have a group of friends and my wife as well went over to the World Cup in France to go and support a tournament in which Ireland weren't playing. First thing they did when they come back was book their tickets for for the first qualifier against Montenegro. They're all going, they're all making a night out of it. Um, some of them have actually bought the women's version of the international jersey and they were very specific in this. It had to be the, the women's jersey. So... I think that's one example of one group. I think people will actually get get invested in this. And the great thing about the match being on TV is that it's an evening kickoff. Mm-hmm. So it's not three o'clock on a Monday when nobody can get to it. It's not five o'clock on a Friday as recently happened. Like you just can't get to Tallis Stadium for that time unless you have a chopper. So I think the fact that it's on a Tuesday night, 7.30, people will be able to go and support this. It's a fiver in. Like you literally, you can have a night out at a match an entertaining, hopefully, couple of goals scored. It's it's just... Good curry chips and tallow as well? Good curry chips from our curry chips correspondent, <laughs> Marie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, for me, it's, it's a no-brainer to just go and support this game. And I really, really hope people do. As to can they qualify, I believe that they can. But I think the structure of the games is set up nicely in that they have their first two at home. But the Ukraine game, as Anya and Karen both mentioned, is the key we cannot afford a slip up 
in that game we need to be taking three points from that game and it will dictate the rest like look at where the Germany games are our very last game of this campaign is Germany at home we want that match to mean something and the players will will know that like you know it's all about building momentum and I think with the first two games being at home hopefully points on the board and then go to Greece in November and then there's plenty of time to settle down you know with hopefully a new manager in place at that at that point one would hope and I think they can do it. There's never been a better time for for them to go for it. And if we, I think the last World Cup qualifying campaign, we had every injury misfortune could have possibly had all at once. And hopefully they just get a better run this time. Do you think we need everybody on you, don't we? Yeah, we do. But it's. I think it's important to remember it's harder to qualify, a lot harder to qualify for a World Cup than it is the European Championship. You have to top your group or you have to come a second best to get into a playoff. So just come first, come second, and, and you're straight on the plane to the Euros in uh, England. So that'll be exciting. You sound confident. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I just think the big game, like I said, is the Ukraine game. And I think we've slipped up in the past against the second seed in the, in the, the second game as well. Yeah, and it's just first been a, or second game, we just weren't yeah. prepared. Whereas now they have the Montenegro game to kind of bed yeah. into this group and yeah. hopefully kick on. And they're burnt. There's, no, there's only one double header, I think, in March. So there's a lot of preparation time as well mm-hmm. for the international window before the game, which is important. And all these, I think these fixtures are very cleverly, strategically planned. And I'd say Colin had, had a lot to do with that as well. So we can thank him for that. It's gift. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much. I know you've got to rush off to training. So um, big thanks to Anya and Karen for joining myself and Elaine to look ahead to Ireland's European Championships qualification campaign. The action gets underway next Tuesday, the 3rd of September in Tallis Stadium with the opening fixture against Montenegro and kickoff is at 7.30pm. If you can't make it along, show your support on the sidelines. Orgy Sport will be bringing you all of the action live on the night with big match build-up on RTE2 from 7pm. Share this episode of the W far and wide between now and then to get everyone warmed up for the qualifiers. And don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us and keep listening.